And then, hold on, wait a second. I just just scarfed down some some uh, salmon locks. So <laughs> just <laughs> this is getting off to a fishy start. <laughs> Yep, that's a great look right there. Welcome to another edition of More Than a White Man's Game, a House of L baseball podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Lee, and you will recognize that first voice on that clip we just played as mine, struggling with my breakfast. And the second voice is Jenny Carlson. She's my former coworker, a columnist at the Oklahoman one of the best writers in this country, someone I absolutely look up to and the perfect person to talk about the women's college world series with. She's been covering this event for two decades about, and just has so much institutional knowledge is there on the ground right now covering it. And I actually caught up with her, Originally, it was supposed to be after they'd played the final championship game, but due to weather, those things were pushed back, and so I ended up actually talking to her right before game three of the championship series. So, she braved the heat out there in Oklahoma to find a quiet spot in her car and talk with me literally an hour before first pitch. So grateful for her time. An awesome discussion both about this year's College World Series, which was fantastic. Like, I've gotten to cover this once before, and it's always such an incredible event. But if you didn't tune in to this year's Women's College World Series you should go back and watch as many games and highlights as possible because, wow. Uh, So got to talk a little bit about that, but also some broader themes within the college softball world, and it was an absolute blast. So we'll drop in right after I uh, recover from my lock burps and get to hear more from Jenny. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me from Hall of Fame Stadium, which yes. I remember last year or two years ago. That's weird. The The full name was a whole thing about whether we had to throw in the, all the extra layers. I never learned it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You just tell people this is where the Women's College World Series is going down and nobody cares about anything else. <laughs> exactly. Um Will you just, let's just start with, will you just lay out, give us a a picture of what it's like out there? Yeah, you know, obviously, uh, anytime you've got a local team playing at the Women's College World Series, as with any NCAA event, it tends to be a really big deal. And Oklahoma softball, uh, ever since they won their first championship in 2000, has been a really big deal whenever they get to the Women's College World Series. And this team being um, one of the, most fun teams I've ever watched just because of their home run hitting ability. They've really become a fascination for a lot of people. And um, so, yeah, so uh, championship game about ready to kick off here or 
first pitch off or whatever the proper bat ball start would be. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, the, the scene has been amazing. Um, seven days of games. Today is day eight. Um, a full uh, a full complement as the best of three series has gone three games, but uh, it has been a fantastic event. People missed it last year, as you sort of alluded to a second ago. No, uh, no NCAA spring sports a year ago. So uh, a year without this event, people are people are pumped. I mean, it's just exciting to have an event that we missed out on last year, and I think that's adding to it. But yeah, it's been it's been a great week uh, here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I remember covering it two years ago because obviously growing up playing softball. I watched it on TV. Being actually there was such a cool thing. And like the environment and the atmosphere was amazing. I tell everyone it's the best event I've ever covered. But now there's more fans. Like what's what what are the new additions? What's that new upper deck been like? All of that. It's very it's very surreal. Um, as somebody who covered this event when it was just really hitting the accelerator. Um, it, it, it wasn't going zero, but it was only probably going about 20, you know, it was just hitting the on-ramp. And so, you know, I remember, uh, I remember games in the early 2000s when, you know, it was a very limited amount of seats, permanent seats. Uh, there were hills down both of the foul lines that fans sat on. Um, like you see a lot of, you know, there's a lot of facilities out there that sort of have that hill or that berm seating, sometimes it's called. And But that was a big part of the early days of this of this event was people on their, you know, picnic blankets and kids running and rolling down the hills. And, you know, it was just, it was kind of a, you know, almost felt like mom and pop, but they changed those those hills, added seats, expanded the permanent seating capacity, and then uh, a couple years ago, this would have been the facility uh, now would have been available to them a year ago. But obviously, COVID had different plans, but added 4,000 permanent seats in the upper deck. Now this is a facility with 9,000 permanent seats. And when they have the Women's College World Series, the outfield bleachers, which people have gotten to see with all these home runs this last week, those outfield bleachers add another 4,000 seats. The 13,000, and I really think that the upper deck has only added to the environment. You know, it, it's it's always, you always kind of wonder, like, is it going to lose some of that that closeness, that intimacy, that feeling that, you know, um, that everybody is sort of right there together. And the way that that upper deck is built and pitched, there's really not a bad seat up there. And it hasn't changed the feeling to my mind. It hasn't changed the feeling for the worse. I mean, the, the concourses, the lower level concourses are now covered and it feels more like a, a major league park in a lot of ways. So I think it's been great. Um, it's going to be hot today in Oklahoma city and those upper deck seats <laughs> are going to be about a gazillion degrees. But other than that, it's great. <laughs> You've got to bring your little, like, the spray fan things and a lot of hats and sunscreen and water. There, there are people I have seen wearing these contraptions. I don't, I'm sure they have some name, but I don't know what it is. But they go around your neck and they've got not one, but two fans that are, like, blowing your face. I have no idea where you can find these, but I have seen them, and I'm sure if you're outside, they are the best. That's next level. I'm sure my parents wish 
those were around when I was playing in Spokane in the middle of a hundred degree heat wave. The only thing we had when I was a kid was a spray bottle. We felt like that was a big deal. Like if you could spray your face, oh, that felt so good. Now it's like technology and yeah, people, people are next level with that stuff. Yeah. So perfect timing with the technology, the fan technology catching up to the upper deck. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Just in time to sit higher, closer to the sun in the Oklahoma summer fans that go around your neck. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, Jenny, you mentioned how everyone's excited to be back, but for you, who's covered this event for 20 years, what was it like not having it last year? Very strange. Uh, at one point I, I came, I, I hadn't really gotten out of the house very much. Uh, you know, Maddie, I know you probably told all your loyal listeners about you being in the crosshairs of the COVID shutdown, uh, at the, at the uh, Thunder jazz game. But, you know, that happened March 11th. And for, you know, two plus months, you know, I was, I was a homebody. Like most people were, you know, if you, if you weren't sort of of the, uh, essential employee variety, you, you were told to stay home. And I did that, that as much as I could, but there was a point in, in late May when I just decided, you know what, I got to drive out to the softball stadium and just sort of see, you know, what does it look like? Cause I, cause the last time I had been out here in 19 and you saw this too, Maddie, they had started to put up some of the steel for the upper deck. You could see, you know, if I'm not, <laughs> I'm not very good with like having a visual of what construction is going to look like. In fact, I'm horrible at it, but you could sort of see where the, where the elevation and the steel was. And so I sort of had an idea of what this was going to be like, but not really. And so I just thought, you know, we're coming up on the time when this event would have happened. I'm just going to drive out there and sort of see what it looks like. And it was even from the outside, I, I drove around it on the streets just to kind of get as much of a view of it as I could. And, you know, to think, man, this facility is, you know, it's, it's got this, you know, new and beautiful, bigger than ever sort of feel to it. And last year's event was going to be the 30th year for the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City. So all of these things just stacking up to be an unbelievable event. And then to not have it, it, it was really strange. I, uh, I had a, a chance a couple weeks, maybe a month or so after the series would have completed USA softball, which is housed here in Oklahoma City across the parking lot from the, from the stadium. They, they held uh, their first youth event, which was like a 16 and under, 18 and under type of tournament with teams from kind of this region. I don't think they weren't from far flung like they sometimes are. Um, but had a chance, got an invite from the USA softball people just to come out and sort of see the venue being played on. It was obviously talk about friends and family. That was a friends and family crowd, you know, not very many people. So it wasn't even close to what we're seeing today. I've probably watched more people come through the front gates in the last, you know, two minutes than were there that day. But it at least was like, oh, okay, a little taste of what was going to be. And um, it's just been great to see so many great teams out here this year. We knew it was going to be stacked because you had those players a year ago that were going to be seniors. So many of them around the country saying, I'm coming back. But you knew that these rosters and these teams were just going to be stacked with great players, talented rosters. 
whoever survived this tournament was going to be a fantastic team, a resilient team. And no matter what happens in this last game, whether Florida State wins or Oklahoma wins, they're both going to be worthy of, of the championship because of what they've come through. Just unbelievable um, talent on, on the field we've seen. And, and it's, it's, been, it's been great to see it back for so many reasons. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things you really, you really never think it's going to go dark. You know, you just, the, 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 the pandemic just made us realize you can't take anything for granted. And, and I think that that's part of why you've seen people just really flocking and want to be a part of this again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the tournament is, it's always incredible, right? But I feel like it's almost making up for not being here last year. Cause like the amount of parody, like the big newsy items just to take, you know, start back towards the beginning of the series. Like I'm definitely jumped on the Odyssey Alexander bandwagon. And then we had Montana Fouts's perfect game. Like what, what were those big like national stories like to cover? Obviously, there's always national stories, but those are those are the two that just like jaw dropping. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. You know, hadn't had a perfect game in the Women's College World Series in 21 years. Montana Fouts does it on her 21st birthday. Um, you know, just just unbelievable. You know, poetic uh, stuff going on with with that perfect game, and in an era when the offenses are clearly taking, uh, you know, big leaps forward. You just don't have those dominant pitching performances like you used to. So for her to do that unbelievable performance against UCLA for crying out loud. I mean, my gosh, uh, UCLA with two future Olympians on their team for Team USA. I mean, just unheard of. But yeah, Odyssey Alexander became the face, the name, the, the character, you know, she was the power behind this series. And, um, you know, Jocelyn Allo's doing a lot to try to take that back from her. Um, that home run she hit last night broke the single season team record uh, for home runs in a, in a series. Oklahoma now with 159, an unbelievable number of home runs. Um, she hit it to take the lead. I mean, it wasn't just a home run. It was a defining home run. It was an epic home run. Uh, Jocelyn Allo hits a lot of those. She has a, a way about her that she doesn't just hit them. She hits them when her team needs them. And so she's definitely sort of staking a claim on, uh, you know, don't forget about me. But man, Odyssey Alexander, uh, you know, not only pitching James Madison to the first two wins in, in the series, she's a hitter. She has that huge tag at the, at the plate against Oklahoma State on the, on the squeeze play. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Just every layer you want to scratch at, she is there. And it, it was an unbelievable performance by her. Um, it's one of those things that, like, you know, you, you kind of want you kind of want more than two teams to still be here. Um, you know how that can't be. That's not how the format works. But, man, there's, there's so many great stories, and you kind of wish they could have stuck around a little bit longer. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think TV did it justice, but it sounded like, for at home even the OU fans gave her like a big round of applause as she walked off and so yeah absolutely yeah I mean a huge ovation for her um I mean obviously that was a that that was the game that was going to decide who's going to the championship series so you know packed with Oklahoma fans um and yet 
everyone rose to their feet, gave her that rousing ovation. You know, pretty clearly she was dealing with some sort of foot injury. She got hit. Um, although I got to tell you, Maddie, every time one of these pitchers takes a, a ground ball to the shin, I want to be like, I want to run out there and be like, are you okay? And they just go on like, it's no big deal. I'm like, what? Who? Who is? What? Are they they're like, you know, bones of steel? I don't know. Um, but yeah, she took one off the foot. And so even as she's thrown to Oklahoma and dealing with, you know, their offense hitting against them, you know, clearly not 100%. I mean, a lot of these girls at this point are not 100%, but gutting it out, unbelievable performance by her. I think people were just so taken by her, her personality, um, her passion. Yeah, I think when when that moment came and and James Madison changed pitchers, it, it, was, it was sad that it had to end that way with her being taken out, but it also gave the fans a moment to appreciate her, and that was pretty cool. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. I feel like that injury is a good segue to talk about. You had a great column the other day about the schedule and injury concerns with how many games that they're playing in a row. And Oklahoma weather had something to say about that this year. But I mean, will you just lay out what those injury concerns are, what the discrepancies are between the men's and the women's tournament, all of that? Yeah, obviously, since the the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments, I think there's been a lot more attention being paid to discrepancies between uh, NCAA events that are, you know, similar sports. Um, We volleyball maybe doesn't quite fit, but the volleyball coaches were uh, when the women's uh, volleyball tournament was happening. They were very and players as well. They were very uh, vocal about things that they saw that that weren't right locker rooms that were basically non-existent practice facilities that were subpar um you know and i think after seeing the changes that were made during the women's basketball tournament i think that's empowered volleyball softball um some of these sports that have come after to say hey we have issues too and i think there was a washington post story earlier this spring that um laid out some some issues that some coaches had I'm not going to say that they were wrong, but I think some of the coaches that were quoted, they were, they were unnamed. Um, so I don't know exactly who they were, but some of the concerns they brought up have been concerns about women's college world series and about the facility here in Oklahoma city. But a lot of that has been addressed in recent years with renovations and fixes. And so I think that some of what they talked about facilities wise is, is not, it doesn't ring is true but as I talk to coaches about you know what are your concerns what 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 could change for the better one of the things that kept coming back up was why is the schedule so jammed together for the women's college world series every team plays the first day the the four winners play the second day then the second or the third and fourth days uh the third day you're guaranteed four games the third the fourth day 
as many as, as you at least have to have two and you could have as many as four and then starts the championship series on consecutive days, no breaks. And there was a time, I think Maddie, when the teams at the top were so much better than everybody else that the idea of that kind of gauntlet while daunting, they were just that much better. They were going to have a game or maybe two at this event where they just, they rolled. They were that much better. That isn't the case anymore. The parody that we've seen, James Madison getting here. Um, uh, you know, we saw, uh, we saw Georgia, another unseated team get here. Um, you know, this is, that is going to be more the norm as time goes on and easy games, you know, quote unquote, not part of this event anymore. You're not going to see, you're not going to see teams just rolling. And so the idea of having teams potentially have to play as many as, uh, you know, six games, five games in four days, you know, five games in four days, that just, that doesn't really wash anymore. So, uh, and especially then having to go right from, we've won, we've made the championship series two, we're playing the next day. Um, it's, it's really a lot. Patty Gasso, uh, spoke about, uh, their 2016 run to the championship series. She ended up, uh, she ended up sitting her ace Paige Parker for game two of the championship series. They lost that game, but she felt health wise. She could not in good conscience, put Paige on the field again. And she held her out. And, those are the type of decisions coaches are going to have to be facing more and more, I think. And it could easily be remedied if they just built in some, some days to give teams and players a chance to rest, recuperate, recover, and be at their best. This is the championship. You've got to allow these teams to play their best and not get to the end and just be completely worn down. Yeah. And my dog's now barking in the background because he's apparently fired up about this too. But I mean, when you look at the men's college world series, they have such a longer schedule and yes, they're playing nine inning games, but they also don't have what you're talking about with pitching. You don't have your ACE throw every day. And so Mm -hmm. definitely a, a different balance there. And I'm not sure that anybody in softball is advocating a tournament that lasts as long as the College World Series. I don't know that anybody thinks that, you know, I think the College World Series in Omaha can last as long as 13 days. Yeah, that sounds rough. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know that anybody wants that. But I, I and I proposed in the, in the piece you're referencing, I proposed a a way that you could have the tournament and not have it go that long, but still give some allowances where teams don't have the, um, you know, four days in a row, five days in a row, six days in a row. I mean, um, it's just a long slog at the end of a season. You know, it's not like you're asking teams to do this in March. You're asking them to do it in June. So I think there's a way to do it differently to make some people at ESPN happy as well and put more important games on the weekend. Right now, this championship series is always in the week. Um, it, 
has been okay, but you could have it on the weekend. And I think that could, that could only enhance what they're seeing uh, for viewership. Uh, game one, to my understanding, of the championship series on Tuesday had like 1.8 million viewers was the average. It peaked at like 2.2 million. So that's, that's some pretty big coverage. That's some pretty intense interest. And I think if you continue to give more people more softball, not at 2 a.m., frankly, this 2 p.m. game, is I'm a little bit surprised that that's going to happen, um, but we get it in the newspapers. So, hey, I'm not going to complain. There are certain things that you fight and certain things. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do think it's going to be interesting to see what the numbers look like today, both in attendance, in the, in the facility, and on TV, but the viewership is clearly there it's clearly expanding and I think there's a way to make the tournament better for the student athletes better for viewership and not not have it as long as baseball but do some very positive things moving forward yeah yeah I feel like the women's college world series is such a good example of if you put women's sports on national tv people will watch yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's one of those things too, that, you know, it's just taken time in the same way it's taken time to fix some of the things about Hall of Fame stadium that weren't good enough. It's taken time to get the NCAA tournament for softball better. Um, used to be that the super regionals uh, best of three series was condensed to two days. And the coaches said, why are we doing this? Why are we asking these these players to play that second game. And then the, if necessary, you turn it around and play, play it right after make it three days. They did eventually do that. Um, you know, I think that this, um, this week where we saw the Sunday, if, if, if necessary games, easy for me to say, I'm getting a heat stroke, apparently, um, if necessary games get pushed to Monday and, it did futz with this schedule. It's part of the reason why this Thursday game is, is in the middle of the afternoon because there's NBA games, there's NCAA track and field. Some of these windows have already been taken uh, on ESPN, but I think they saw we can still be playing those, those double elimination games on Monday. People are still coming and people are still watching. So I think that it's a, it's, a slow process to maybe get some things where um where they need to be but you know sometimes change is slow and maybe this is the time with what we saw with the women's basketball what we saw with the volleyball with what we've already seen here changes made on the fly this may be the catalyst to where we really start to see some of these things hit the accelerator moving forward well i know you have to go before I let you get to the actual game real quick. We've talked about some of the really big moments in this tournament, but what are the storylines that we haven't touched on that you're going to take away from this past week? Man, it's, you know, I'm really interested to see if James Madison, if, if this can be the building block to them being a, a Gonzaga of softball. Can, can a mid-major school, can they bust down the door now in this era of these power fives? And, you know, Oklahoma was, was 
there, Oklahoma is the program that James Madison needs to aspire to, because when Oklahoma, when they, when they came in and, and busted up the party in 2000, it was all about the West Coast. It was all about UCLA and Arizona and the idea that Oklahoma um, could, could win. That was big, but then they got back. Then they made the tournament four more years after that. And that was huge. So James Madison got here. Now, can they get back? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, make any less what they did right now. We'll never forget that. But can they make it back? Can they build something in, the, in a time when the SEC is saying, you know what? We're going to win this thing, and we're going to win it a lot. We've got the facilities. We've got the coaches. Now the ACC is starting to figure it out. We saw Clemson launch a program and make some big noise this year. It's only going to continue. These big Power Five conferences are feeding softball like crazy. So can a James Madison, can they get back? That's going to be big. And I think the other big thing I'm, I'm thinking about in the future is can these offenses, can these power is there going to be any move to change some of the field dimensions um i don't think there's a big issue with the bats necessarily i I think they feel like the bat technology is good but is not enough are they going to have to start expanding some of these fields some of these dimensions to hold more of these uh more of these offenses i don't know if we're there yet but it's going to be fascinating to see um what happens in the future as, as it relates to the offenses yeah, yeah really interesting it's kind of the same the opposite battle that uh that major league baseball is is working with but yes they two home run dependent but also these pitchers are way too good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The days, uh, like I said, that's one of the things that made Montana Fouts' perfect game even more amazing is just how offensive-minded so many teams are nowadays. So much power. Um, we saw last night Oklahoma's uh, first home run from Jana Johns, who I think was hitting in the seven hole, but she's been in that six-seven range most of the year. This is the longest home run I've seen at the Women's College World Series that I can remember. It hit the warning track of the, of the slow pitch field, which I think is 300 feet down the line. So it means she probably hit it at least 280. It was a shot. So, I mean, I, I don't know like that. She's not doing it all the time. Um, but that's the type of thing. Like if you're seeing six, seven, eight hole hitters go yard and do it regularly and do it with power, like, I, I think people love to see that. I, I, people like to see home runs. So I don't think they're ready to say, like, we're going to do everything we can to, like, eliminate the home run. But it's going to be interesting in another three years, five years. Yeah. Are, are they saying, wait, 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 you know, we can't, we, can't, we can't let this be the case anymore. So, yeah, the same with Major League Baseball. I don't know, I don't know what the, the infraction point is. I don't know that we're yet, there yet for softball, but it's going to be interesting to see. For sure. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Absolutely. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make it from my car where I'm currently holed up to the press box without sweating so much that nobody wants to sit anywhere close to me. <laughs>
that's my goal for today. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> Listen, people in Chicago, you know how it can get swampy, but Oklahoma is swamp with the blast furnace on right now. So everybody think cool thoughts. So let's go. <laughs> I love it. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. So after I got off the phone with Jenny, of course, the Oklahoma Sooners went on to win game three, win the Women's College World Series. I got goosebumps just watching that final out. Truly an incredible event. If you have the opportunity to go out to Oklahoma City for it, honestly, I highly recommend it. And I'm not just saying that because I have a soft spot for Oklahoma City after living and working there for a couple years and working with incredible people like Jenny Carlson, who I know I said in the intro, one of the best writers in the country. I'm not just saying that she has an incredible storytelling ability and ability to kind of get to the heart of stories and, and tell the personal side of stories in a way that's really unique. So she's someone that I feel very lucky to have worked with and, you know, continue to obviously read and look up to since our time in Oklahoma together. But awesome talking to her. Thank you again to Jenny for making time, especially on the day of the championship of game three of the championship series incredible talking with her and just such a fun women's college world series. So that's a wrap for this edition of more than a white man's game, a baseball podcast on the house of L network. Thanks again to Jenny. Thank you to Lawrence Holmes for producing this podcast and creating the house of L network. Thanks so much to you all for tuning in, like subscribe, rate and review. As always, I'm Maddie Lee, and I will see you next time.